The bald fat man is Jeff. In the wild, Jeff preys upon fast food and mounting dew. Each new morning, he surprises himself that he survived another day. The dark-hair-bearded fellow is Garrett. His spreadsheets are a way of survival, and his opinions are fine. Just fine. Together, the Jeff and the Garrett form the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Despite their lack of tangible skills or noticeable intelligence, they not only survive together, they thrive together. So strap in, folks. Things are about to get weird. A new episode of GEHB starts right now. Jeffrey, welcome. We had had a guest last week when I talked to Mark, and I, I missed you. I felt like I feel like we haven't talked in a long time. I mean, I know it, we text each other every day, but it, it feels like I have not seen your face on my computer screen in forever. It's been a little while. We just spent like. Uh, I mean, it was probably 25 minutes just like catching up before the show, which people normally when we do this, we kind of hop on. It's like, hey, how you doing? All right. Do we have an agenda? Let's get going. But uh, we we caught up. It was like we went to lunch for a lunch meeting and spent 30 minutes like going over just like our lives. And then we, oh, yeah, let's shake hands, talk lunch for a minute or talk business for a minute. And then you go back to just like hanging out. It was like a weird business meeting almost. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I I don't really know how to describe it either. Uh, it, it's just a. It's kind of strange when we, um, when we go so long because it, it's weird how people are. Our wives have talked about this too. Where it's like they don't understand how we, you we keep conversations going on like seven different mediums at one time. Yeah. Right. Like Very there's weird. on any given day. We are texting each other directly. We are and also have our group text with uh, what was like formerly the old uh, Rivals.com staff when we were doing Rivals before the 24-7 days at Cougar Sports Insider. And then we have our direct message on the Discord. And then occasionally if we see something on Twitter, we'll DM each other on Twitter. Yeah. And it's it, it's kind of confusing, but it, it's like each of those, it's a different conversation. So it's actually kind of nice. because it's, it's like the, the occasional emails too that like yes, if we're we do working have the occasional email. that we have emails. We'll, we'll, it, is, it is a little weird. But it does. It's, it's a like, little weird. It's like I have Garrett one, Garrett two, Garrett three, Garrett four, Garrett five in my head, and so for me it makes perfect sense that when I pick up the text Garrett, oh well, that's this Garrett that I'm talking to. But when I go to the you know Twitter Garrett, well, that's a different Garrett. So like that conversation's totally separate from text Garrett because this is the other Garrett. It's very weird, but it makes perfect sense in my brain. Perfect sense. I I don't know how which one is. I don't know which Jeff is my favorite Jeff. That may be the biggest, the biggest Ooh, thing. I, they are different Jeffs too. Like you get different levels of my filter depending on the channel, and I think it just sort of happens naturally. But yes. like our our Discord direct message, for whatever reason, <laughs> no filter. I have no none. filter. The none no whatsoever. filter. So. No filter. The I think the Twitter it probably has the most filter just because you know it, it you think of it as as public right yeah, like it's there yeah. is there is you, even though it's a DM you gotta keep it on well, you know, in my more in, in line in my brain with Twitter I'm always afraid that I'm gonna be that guy who sends a DM but accidentally hits it as a live tweet and the other channels I don't have that as much like that fear but that gives me for real anxiety on Twitter so yeah that's a big part of it for me yeah. Uh, but we we are here. We're going to do kind of a review of what has happened the last couple of weeks. But before we jump in, we do have an announcement. We sent this out. We sent out some tweets. We need to actually push that some more on the Twitters. Um, but we have, you know, we are doing a fundraiser in just a few weeks. Um, so we are doing a fundraiser with Max Hall for his uh, Victory Recovery Foundation. And so it will be one of a GEHB listener has given us a um, has given us a suite to use uh, for the game. And so we, um, I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can get on 
get online. You can purchase the tickets. There are still tickets available. There are two corporate sponsors available. Uh, all of the money that we get is going to the game. So it is your ticket. Yes, it is a little bit pricey, but it is going to a good cause. And you get to spend the night with a Cougar legend in a box suite at a Phoenix Suns game. So join and us. Who, all, who else is going to be there? Was Is Ty going? I believe Ty is going to try to make it. I think that was still up in the air. But when we that when I initially talked with Max to to nail down this date, he said that he would see if Ty is available, he will come, and then also uh, Todd Heap. And then Dennis Pitta moved to California, so he doesn't live in. He moved back to LA, so or uh, County, so he he doesn't live in he doesn't live in uh, in Arizona anymore. So he he will not be there. Um, but it was you know there if. When there's extra tickets, then we will give them to, you know, we will get them to people that are cool and that you will want to hang out with. Um, and the, obviously you want to come hang out with me and Jeff. So that's a fun time. But if you there, if you are not in the Phoenix area, um, there is also a raffle that you can purchase tickets for. And the raffle will be going um, to the winner of the raffle will receive two tickets to the game plus airfare and a one night hotel stay because the game's on a Saturday night. So you fly in Saturday morning and then go to the game and then have a hotel for Sunday, Saturday night and then head home and then get a flight home on Sunday. Hey, um, that's cool. And not a Southwest flight. We'll get you with an South- airline that actually goes. Although, yeah. Well, I mean, Southwest, the, the Southwest out of uh, Phoenix to Utah may not be that bad, but Southwest. And that is a, this, this is a documentary waiting to happen. Cause I think a lot of people don't understand like why how southwest works and how they're different and how they op, like were in normal times were extremely efficient the way that they work but then as soon as something rocks the boat now then it becomes a complete mess so it kind of goes back to you know looking at like do you create potential barriers or inefficiencies on purpose uh, to cover your ass if things go bad because southwest you know they didn't have a hub. So when you don't have a hub, you can't just say, okay, well, we can get these planes back to this hub and still have everything else going. It's like every plane is just all over the place in a giant bowl of spaghetti rather than a spider web. And you can't fix that. It's impossible. Right. And so it, I've, I am excited though, because I know in about like three months, Southwest is going to have some massive sale where it's like, we're going to be able to get tickets to Hawaii for like a hundred dollars because they're going to have to, because they're going to try to lure customers back in. And I will be the first in line. That is the best time right after something bad happens. Yeah. That's the best time. Like, have you ever seen, there's like a TikToker interview where somebody was some guy was like, I love going on vacation to places where there's just a terrorist attack. Because, because he said, he's like, oh, the security is an all time high. You're never safer. Like they are, they're being extra careful. Like I remember when there was the bad E. coli outbreak at Chipotle and then Chipotle did this thing where it was like, if you ate, it was like, if you ate there so many times in a month, it was like every third meal, you got a free one (laughs) and then that free one still counted. So it was like, if you ate at Chipotle 10 times for three straight months, you got like a $200 catering voucher. (laughs) <laughs> and so me and my roommates did this at the time and we did it. And it was like, we ordered Chipotle gift cards off of raise.coms because people were trying to dump all their gift cards because they were scared <laughs> there. So we bought the gift cards for like 40% off. We're eating at Chipotle all the time. And then we did our two catering things. We did one for the, uh, it was the first Clemson Bama national title game. And that, that Clemson, well, I guess the second one, because it was the one that Clemson won. And then we did it for the uh, Gonzaga when they played in the national championship in, Bas- in the tourney. So that was, that's got funny. our free catering for both championships because of Chipotle's E. coli outbreak. Yeah. So all aboard Southwest in like February onward, when they come crawling back or they say like, oh, you only need 50,000 points to get a companion pass this year. We're doing it. I'm in. First year of the Big 12. You're going to have all kinds of time. Well, not time. You're going to have all kinds of destinations that you want to go this year. All kinds. All kinds. And speaking of that, we don't really have a set agenda, but we have some like bullet points that we have to hit on. And we haven't talked, you and I, since signing day, and we haven't talked really since the end of independence. The New Mexico Bowl is done. BYU won. Sol J, uh, he entered the... I'm not going to say the history books, but he entered the folklore books because like i think if we're if we're if we're honest with ourselves i think we know that soldier is not going to be the starting quarterback of byu mm, for no. the long-term future i think everybody kind of concedes that and i think to soldier's credit 
I think he knows that. And he even talked about that a little bit in the post game when they were like, Hey, how do you feel like going into the quarterback race? Do you feel like you should be considered? And he's like, Hey, no, for me, uh, I'm just, this game was nothing. It's back at the bottom for me. It's back where I got to work and show what I can do and beat everybody else out. Like it was a really mature response from, from soul J, but his performance was awesome. It was cool to have some energy this year and kind of go out on a high note. And independence is officially, officially, officially dead. Yes, it, independence. It's dead. It is over. It is done. We still have to deal with the WCC for a couple more crappy months. But that's, I figured this out. I'm glad you brought that up because I hate basketball. You know, I hate basketball. The, I don't think I hate basketball as much as I hate the West Coast Conference. Mm. I, like, I, I tried I, I, to get geared up for the Pacific game. But I just couldn't do it. If you could it. even find it. I didn't even know where to watch. I didn't watch it because I didn't know where it was. Yeah. Like, it's just awful. And I think the fact that, I, th- I think that's played a role for me. I think I will be more excited to watch a random Tuesday night with, uh, you know, BYU and Iowa State than I will BYU and St. Mary's. That Not only that, but it's going to be on a normal channel where you have normal things. and not WCC refs. Like the problem at the WCC, which I guess I think they still use the same as the Big Ten and or not the Big Ten, like the Mountain West. It's like uh, they use like a what's the word like consortium or whatever of referees, but it's it's so frustrating. Like it's most games in the WCC are unbearable to watch because of the difference in like every game to game. There's no consistently it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. Um, it, it's it's garbage, and they are so ticky-tack. They don't call it consistently one game to the next. So it's like, what is this? And they're so ticky-tack then, too, that it's even when WCC teams, when they get to the tourney in March where they let everything go, it's like they do not consistently do things the same way that they do in March. It's like there needs to be some type of standardization of, like, this is what we're going to call. And this is what like the NCAA needs to step in and figure out how to make the playing styles consistently, or at least the fouling styles consistently across every league. Because the variance, when you if you flip on a random game of like what the Big Twelve lets fly versus what the WCC lets fly, totally different the, games. It's like watching a different game in the WCC. It's unbearable the number of fouls that they call. I, so I don't even watch half the games. I'm convinced that they do that because that's the way Mark Few likes games to be called. Ooh, that's a conspiracy I can get behind. I, I am 100% that everything they do in the WCC is about placating to Gonzaga, which makes sense. That's what I would do, too. And I think that's why they do it. They're just trying to get everything from them? Yeah, and I mean... Do you think he... It's Well, who's the new commissioner now? I think... who is it still... No, Gloria Navarre, she just took a job at a at the Pac-12 or who Yeah, she... somewhere. So I don't know who it is now. So they're getting a new commissioner, but it's like, do you think he's got them on speed dial? And it's just like, has an assistant being like, no, I don't like this. Tell the rep to tighten it up. Are we going that level of conspiracy mid-game? Or is it just, hey, the AD, when they go to like the school meeting, the conference meetings, the Gonzaga AD or the president is saying like, hey, this is how we want things done. And everyone just bows over to Gonzaga because they run that league. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's like mid game because Mark Few has complained about the refs before, but I do think that when they leave the game, they leave the showers, they leave the locker room. There's some communication that happens with Gonzaga and the WCC. Hmm. I mean, I have nothing to back that up or prove it. And if you know somebody wanted to sue us for libel, uh, they can't because we didn't write anything down. And I'm telling you that this is a conspiracy theory, so you don't have to believe it. But I'll be damned if I don't think that this conspiracy theory is true. You know, I can actually, I, as we are leaving, well, I mean, it's proven that every the WCC does everything to, they bend over backwards, everything for Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. Gonzaga is like, oh, we want the schedule changed. We want this changed. We want to play this many games instead of that many games. Like, we want to do this. We don't want to have to travel to this team or that team. All of it is to keep Gonzaga happy. And that's what they should do because... And, Quite well, because Gonzaga is going to leave and go to a different conference well, here shortly. When when the keynote of your conference after that is uh, Brother Bennett, who I've decided that Randy Bennett is just he is <laughs> he is the the white version 
of every caricaturized Buddha statue that you ever see in like a Chinese restaurant. He is the real life personification of those caricatures, but also a different race. Wait, what? I don't even know what that means. Okay. Well, if you have been, they're always, and I don't know why, because I don't think Buddhism is like a thing. Is Buddhism Chinese? It's, I think it's all of Asia has Buddhists. Well, so like any like run of the mill Chinese place, there's always like this caricature looking Buddha statue where they're like happy, go like happy and smiley. And it also, it feels very uh, strange with like the, the gigantic earlobes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to me, Randy Bennett feels like the personification of that caricature, not the real Why? Buddha. He, he's like always whining, though. Well, right. But, so he's not happy, but it's the bald, it's the facial expressions. I don't know. There's something about it there that I feel like there's a link, and I, I think it's that. Still, though, nothing will beat the uh, Wichita State Shocker looking like Gordon Ramsay. Oh, and no. When we discover, you know, that was... You that can't was, you you can't unsee it once no, you see it. No, the hair, the the everything. Yeah, so Independence is dead. The West Coast Conference isn't dead yet, but it's dying. What did you like best about Independence? Well, what were, I what liked, were some of the greatest memories? I guess. Oh, the greatest memories. So, I was at the Texas game in 2014 for the hurdle. Uh-huh. That was great. I was at the Nebraska game for the Hail Mary. That was great. I was at the Boise game, Boise game for that Hail Mary too. The next week, so that was I, great. I left. I left that one at halftime. Oh, you were that guy. I oh. had knees. That one. I am. I am blaming. So normally I sit low when I go to games because I'm mm-hmm. a snob. I sat up high for that one, and I'm pretty convinced that. The maybe the, maybe you know this I don't know but I'm convinced that the bleachers at LES are a little bit closer together in that upper bowl. Uh, they might be. I could sit in the bleachers in the lower bowl and I'm just fine. But every time I've ever sat in the bleachers in the upper bowl, I definitely get more knees in my back. Mm. And I don't know if that's to... because I don't know why, but it's it, I mean it's anecdotal, right? But it's happened to me I think three different times. Maybe so, it's just because the people that the cheapskates who slid up there are just less professional in terms be. of their their fandom. Could be, um, could be that. Whatever it was, I left at halftime for that game because I was tired of the knees in my back. Well, there you go. So it was. I I will miss the games all over the country, which we can still do that. And I think that's something that I imagine that Tom or whoever his replacement is, because I think. Tom's time is getting is short lived. He's, he's been there forever. He he's coming up. I mean, he was hired the same time that Bronco Mendenhall and Dave Rose were in right. 2005. So this is 2023. Next year will be his 18th season at the helm, right? And so it's you know, or yeah, so yeah. And next he's year's older than both of those two. I think now, maybe not older than Dave, but I think he's older than Bronco. Yeah. And so he's been there for almost 20 years as the athletic director. He's navigated getting into independence, figuring out those TV deals. He got navigated getting into the big 12. His time, it has to be, he's got, a, he's got what, maybe five years max. Like in terms of athletic departments, I think it's kind of like a, how much longer is Nick Saban going to keep coaching before mm-hmm. he hangs it up kind of thing where it's like, maybe Tom can't retire. Like maybe he's that guy that he just, he has to be working. And so he's going to continue working for like another 10 or 15 more years until he's like in a walker, needs a walker in a wheelchair <laughs> old, but maybe, you know, it, I think his time is probably starting to wind down. So how long he has left, I don't know. But I think the greatest part, especially having spent time on the living in the East Coast during independence, was just that we got to travel to way outside of our time zone more than other programs. And so obviously, we're going to have a conference mate in Florida. We're going to have one in Ohio. So we're going to get to travel you know, a little bit more to the Central Eastern time zones the most. So it's like, that's good. You know, obviously it's great for all of our fans in Texas. Um, but sucks for our California fans. Sorry. It sucks you. for our California fans, but I imagine that we will still try to get non-conference games. I mean, obviously our FCS game is going to be at home. Our G5 game, we're going to do like a, either buy games or do like a two for one, but it's like, we don't need to play mountain West teams, right? Like, I don't care. Like go, if you're going to do a two for one, 
go do a two for one with like a, you know, not New even Mexico. like, so we, no, not, no, not New Mexico. Cause it's like, we don't need the, the West coast teams, right? Like it's mm. the, do it, like go do a two for one with Western Kentucky where it's like, it's, you know, go, go somewhere out there. Like that's somewhere there. I mean, like go do a two for one with app state. You yeah. Know, that's get, a good call. So do it where, you know, because anywhere, even if you're in New Mexico, there's so many cheap flights. If anyone wants to travel to a home game and they're in the Western U.S., it's cheap, right? Like it's, you can get, you're a day's drive away, no matter where you are. Like even, you know, no matter where you're at from, I mean, how far is it from Seattle to Provo? Like it's a long drive. It's like a 14 hour drive or something. 13 hours. So it's it's a long drive. That's a long drive, but still doable. Right. Like it's, whereas you can, you know, give me, yeah, give me like a two for one in a place where we don't, where we don't normally get to go. So our fans that are in that part of the country can can go there. I I think that that's the question that has to be answered is um, how much value. Okay. Back in the old days, I'm talking all over the place, but back in the old days, in the eighties and nineties, you got value out of playing in Hawaii because the kids who would be recruited out of Hawaii could only like play in front of their families there, right? Because right. there was no TV games. It was difficult or whatever. Maybe Hawaii is a bad example because BYU was on there, but like you get it. You, you could only, you could only, your family in San Francisco, unless they were going to drive to Provo, the only way that they could realistically see you was when you played Stanford or San Jose or whatever. In 2023 and beyond, what is the value of playing a game in California? Like, does a recruit look at that and go, oh, well, once every four years, I'm going to get a chance to play? And and frankly, okay, BYU is going to play a whole bunch of games in Texas other than like name recognition, like they're in Texas more often. Do you think that on the recruiting trail, it's going to be like, oh yeah, my family could see me play because BYU is going to play at you know Houston and Lubbock and Waco and and Fort Worth every couple of years. I I don't know that the value is there like it was twenty thirty years ago. Oh, and against the cost of plane tickets, against the inflation, has also dropped so much. And then I think also if it's not, I actually don't know if they changed this rule. I think they did it for bowl games, so I'm not sure if they can do it the regular season. But in short order. Schools are going to be able, like scholarships, they're going to be able to start paying for flights for parents. And oh, that's I didn't know that. A, oh, I just, that's me just like prognosticating. Like that's going to be oh. the next thing of like player, right? Yeah, like it's I, I think they do it already for bowl games that schools are allowed yep. to pay for family travel to bowl since it's too far. Like it's an irregular thing, far away, yep. whatever. So it's like, they're going to extend it. Once they do it a little bit, every, you know, it, they're going to extend it. And, 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 and the, folks, like we're three or four years away from, these guys being employees anyways, like let's just all get on board. It's going to happen. There are 36 FBS schools that BYU has never played. Okay. So let's like go down the list. Let's just run down the list really quick and tell me. I'll just say yes or no. Yes. Okay. Akron. No. In Ohio. App State. North North Carolina. Yes. Because I like Boone. Okay. Army. Yeah. Supposed to. And then that was a COVID cancellation. Yeah. Yes. Auburn. Yeah. Ball State. No. Ball or Buffalo. No. Central Michigan. No. Charlotte. No. Clemson. Yeah, but not really. Duke. Uh yeah. Eastern Michigan. I think they should play Duke because there's like a natural like Duke is hard, BYU's hard, academics. Yeah. Uh Eastern Michigan, no. Florida. Yes. Florida Atlantic and Florida International. No and no. Georgia State playing at your uh, Fulton County Stadium. Which is wild, but or, no. Or not or no, that's not Fulton it's not Fulton they're, County they're Stadium. Turner now, but yeah. Which is the one that they built for the Olympics that they only played in for like ten years, right? The Fulton County was the one before that. The Correct. One. It was like right across the street. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's I got a typo there. So Hawaii we've definitely played at. Illinois. No, I don't have any desire to play Illinois. Kent State. Also. No, I'm just gonna. I'm assume that all of the Mac schools are no. Okay, yeah. So that's okay. okay. Kentucky. No, don't care. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 
Yes, but only on a year that you are damn sure you're going to win. And on the road, make it... Uh, that's a good later in the season. And the tailgate in Lafayette Ooh, is yeah. going to be amazing. So uh, the Maryland, that we've never played the Terps. Don't care. Miami, Ohio is a max school. Minnesota. I want to smash P.J. Fleck. Like, I just want to destroy his team. I really don't like P.J. Fleck, but also... I really couldn't care less about Minnesota. But if I'm going to go to Minnesota, it better be in September. Minnesota is a little bit like Montana for me, that it is like elite summer state. It is a terrible every other state, like every other time of the year state, but it is an elite summer state. So I if, I can, if I can get that in like week one or week two, I'm in. Yeah. the I think I could get down with that. Uh, NC State, we actually have on the schedule. So we can and they stayed on the schedule. And they stayed on the schedule. See, that's the kind of in North Carolina. I don't really care to play North Carolina. Uh, Northwestern. Uh, that kind of feels like Duke to me. Like, yes, give me all those yeah. academic all, brands. All September. I don't want to go to Chicago in October and November. Yeah, I, I, I can get on board. See, Ohio, meh, Old Dominion, meh, Purdue, the Boilermakers. I don't know what it is about me and Purdue, but I just have just this strong, passionate, fiery hatred of Purdue. I have no idea why. I don't know what Purdue ever did to me, but I hate Purdue. Okay. That's a, and that's kind of, you know, yeah. There's no reason for me to not like it. You do. Okay. Uh, Rutgers for our friend, Jake Welch. Nope. Sorry, Jake. Don't care. I don't want to go to New Jersey. Uh, let's see. Oh, San. I got to fix this because in my list, because San Jose is dumb. ESPN, they put the little like the, the tick mark above the E on San Jose uh, San, State. San so, Jose. Yes. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't match up. Right. So I need to fix that. Uh, South Alabama. I've gone to a game in mines at South Alabama. Uh, it was a fun little town. It was great. It felt like a high school game, but I would much rather, honestly, I'd rather go, if we're going to play a G5 team on the road, I want to go to a Sunbelt school because like no, they... No, Sunbelt schools will beat you. Well, well, they'll beat you, which sucks, but it's like the game day environment. It's like the Sunbelt is what college football like was in yesteryear. Just yeah, like, that's true. It, it's the, the vibe of the game, like people out tailgating, everyone there for their hometown team. Like they are just, they love it because they went to school there and it's like, those are our boys. Like that vibe is still there in the Sunbelt. And I like that. Yeah. So if we're going to go play a crappy team on the road, make it a Sunbelt team. Okay. okay. South Carolina. I don't care. I No, Van- I, I, I think, I think most of my like, I don't want to go two time zones away very often. Like there's yeah. a handful of brands and, and most of them are like brands that like, yeah, BYU playing Duke or Northwestern only because you would get lots of like journalism attention because of all the guys who went to Duke and Northwestern. But like, I don't really have any desire to see BYU play Kentucky or South Carolina and travel that far for a game that really nobody's going to care about anyway. Yeah. So, and the last one are, so it was South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Virginia tech and wake forest. Yeah. I don't really care about any of those. I think wake would be nice. Cause it's, it is in the Eastern time zone. There's a decent number of members within driving distance. A lot of BYU fans that, you know, between like everywhere. Cause you, if you're playing at wake everywhere, basically like between DC and like Atlanta, is driving distance for all the members there to get there. And it's a very winnable game because Wake isn't that good, right? Like they they were good for this season and last season, and then Sam Hartman dipped as fast as he could. And so there's, I think with that, it's like, those are the kind of games where it's like, I'd like to, and obviously it's like, yeah, we could go play at Bama and like, you know, or we could go play, we already played at Tennessee, but like go to a blue blood program. But those, I would like maybe once every four years, to do a road game in the Eastern time zone. So it's like, you know, you throw it out there for people who want to travel and kind of mix up. Cause that was the, the cool thing is usually when independence, we got one fun game a year that was like, Oh, we've never played them before. We, this is a cool place to go. I've never been there. Like we can plan a little vacation around this team that I enjoyed. And I hope we kind of try to keep doing that. Cause that was a good thing for the program. And I also, it helps with game day menus. I posted this on the discord. That, that is true. My favorite or one of the cool, most fun parts about independence was like you could plan a menu around 
kind of where we were. Where and I we did were that publicly for a couple of years. Yeah. I would publish it, the menu. Yeah. And it was like, let's pick something there. Like I made Chili Verde for the New Mexico Bowl because we were playing in New Mexico, you know, doing, right. we played USF. I made Cubanos because, you know, even though you think of Miami's Cubans, like the Tampa is where the Cubano originated, you know, you had, you could do fun things like that, but it's, you know, once you kind of run through it and you've already played a team once or twice, it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm not just going to keep doing this every oh, time. Like, the, I'm not in, in the Big 12, man, like, you're going to be eating a lot of black Everyone pepper. Everyone eats the same brisket. thing. You know what oh, I mean? You're frozen. Because Jeffrey, like, did we lose you? All those Texas schools, that's what they're going to eat. Yeah. You know? I guess you can get your Skyline chili on. Right. But after you do that one time, are you ever going to do it again? No. No, never. And, and I mean, I'm fine eating barbecue on every game day. I eat barbecue all the time. But it's... Uh, you know, there's, it, it's, what is there, what are you going to do from Iowa? You know, what, what is there to, what culinary adventure is there to embark on from Ames, Iowa? Nothing. Nothing. So that, that will be a sad point, but obviously it's not, the trade-offs are, are very much, uh, very much worth it. And it's kind of weird. The weirdest part to me is that we were in, um, the weirdest part to me is that we were in, the independence for as long as we were in the mountain West, that still trips me out. That is weird to sit and think about. Like it, it was 11 years in each. Yeah. That's wild. Or 12 years, whatever it was. And so that is wild. Weird. how long were we in the whack? Uh, from when it was created to let's see BYU conference history. What year was that? Let's see. We were in the whack from 1962 to 1998. I don't so, think I had any idea it was that long. So that's 36 years. Um, I don't want to totally change gears on you, but it's it's popping up because the game is starting. What do you make of the Barstool Bowl? So I don't that's understand. down there by you. It is. They play it at the University of Arizona. Uh, I remember one year they couldn't have enough teams because they were like the last bowl to pick. So they had Nevada and Colorado State who were both in the Mountain West, played each other <laughs> in the bowl game, and they had played in the regular season. So it was a rematch, a regular, it was a rematch with a conference opponent in the bowl game. Awful. So what I don't get is like, they do not, they broadcast it on barstoolsports.com. It's not on TV. So right. how are they making any money? What is the point of this? Why does this even exist? Yeah, I, I've tried to figure it out because I can't understand it. But it also... Like, I get why people don't want to associate with the Barstool name. Like, there's a stigma that comes with it. I don't really share a lot of the thoughts of the stigmas. I, I don't mind Barstool. I I don't get this bowl, but I kind of love the idea of just some independent somebody just like, hey, it's, it's the Jeff Bowl now, and I'm going to make it the Jeff Bowl, and I'm going to broadcast it myself, and I'm going to make it whatever experience I want to make it to be. I wonder if, as we go forward in the college football era, right, and, okay, think about it like basketball. There's the NCAA tournament. That's what everybody cares about. But then there's still the CBI and the NIT and all these other ones. Nobody cares about the CBI and the NIT. Nobody cares, but they exist. So they, okay, they in, exist, in, but in nobody college, cares. In the college football playoff world, like clearly that's where everybody's going to go. Do you see more of these barstool bowls that pop up of just like mm. brands looking to create an experience to get their name out there? I don't know because I think the it's weird to me because they don't make sense. Because even bowls, uh, well, the last two nights the bowls have been amazing, right? The the yeah. last the last two nights with the you know Arkansas and Kansas. Uh, going to over, double overtime and the Oregon North Carolina game and the last night with FSU and Oklahoma like the the games have been amazing the last two nights. So but for the most part I don't even think we know what bowls are going to look like because even now bowls have felt devalued since they came up with the NY6 and there's just so many of them that like going to a bowl game you know used to hang a banner for every game that you went to it was a hype thing it's like oh this team has played in 15 bowl games whatever blah 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 and now it's like now if you don't go to a bowl game your season was a failure like it wasn't it, it used to be the mark of a great season 
And now the absence of one is the mark of a failure. And there's no middle ground for just like, yeah, we had a good team could have been better. And so I think, I don't know what it's going to look like because the bowl games, I mean, the playoffs are going to be on the home campuses. So what do you, does everyone else just get to play an exhibition game at the end of the season? But then it's like, if you're in the playoffs and you play on home campus, are you going to still, are they going to create bowl games two weeks later for everyone who like got bounced or is that the end of your season? You know, what does that look like? Or are they going to change the rules to where, like, cause you can get a gift package, right? Like you're getting like everyone it's like, Oh, you got like a PS five and new shoes and whatever. Right. Are they going to, yeah. are they going to let the schools do that for a playoff game, even though it's this typical home game, you know? So I don't even think we know what the bulls are going to look like. No, we don't. Does it... And I think that that's, what's so intriguing to me is because of that, I feel like you could make it whatever you wanted it to look like. And so here's, here's the, I look at the pro bowl, the pro Bowl's garbage now. Right. But I look at the pro bowl and I kind of like, I wonder if there's some elements there that like bull season could become like fantasy college football, you know, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do seven on seven with BYU and SMU, or we're going to elect captains and the captains are going to have a fantasy draft of who they can pick to be on their team. Or we're going to have player coaches or, you know, like you can do a punt pass and kick competition. You could do weird stuff. And I wonder if, okay, you didn't make it to the playoff. That's where everybody really wants to be. Everybody's opting out of these other pointless bowls anyways. So let's create an opportunity that where we could still put it on TV. We could still grow a brand, still get all the marketing aspects, the business aspects to it. But we're just going to create something that is fun as hell. And hopefully players want to come and do it. That's yeah. what I feel like the Barstool Bowl like that's the significance of the barstool bowl. They're still okay. playing a regular football game, but it feels like by not including Fox or ESPN or anybody, they're already kind of like forging this path of like, okay, hey, we're setting things up to do what we want. And I think that's interesting. I would love to see it where each coach or each school gets to like propose some rule changes, like mix it. Yeah. Up. Weird like stuff. This, which I saw text, this is unrelated to this. My, this is very April conversation so i saw a tiktok last night someone's suggesting for a baseball game instead of having a batting lineup every you pick your lineup of nine guys and every player gets four at bats and you can pick when you can pick when like it's you have the bases <laughs> loaded with no outs and my, yep. Mike Trout has not had an at-bat. You go up there, you strike him out, good job. He's using his second at-bat. He's still at the plate. You have to get him out three times in a row. <laughs> you know, And then you say uh, that the last one's the bottom of the ninth, and he's only had two at-bats. Like You're using him to still do three outs, but you get to pick when your players. Like it Basically, you know, because in every other sport, you can try whenever you want to. You can try to get the ball to your playmakers on offense, except for I, baseball. I'm in. Like, why not so do it's, weird I stuff? don't know how. I don't know how it works if you like go through the entire lineup. Maybe if you bat through your entire lineup, then you can just start doing whoever, and, and those don't count. That's Look, what we'll do. Here, if you... Here's what I know. I played ping pong every day. When I used to go into the office, I would play ping pong three times a day. And then after about a year of playing ping pong three times a day, and I got pretty damn good just for what it's worth. I, I bought, a okay. fancy, bought, bought a fancy paddle. I had a jersey. I got, I got pretty damn into ping pong for a minute. But after a year or two of playing ping pong three times a day with the same three people, we got a little bit bored. And then we said, hey, from now on, when you get a serve, you have to volley it up to your teammate before you can hit it back over the net. Added a little volleyball element there. And then it became, okay, when you pass it, because the serves became so hard that it was hard to use the pass or to get the pat, the ground is alive. It can bounce off the ground once, and then you got to pass it. And then okay. we added a second pass just for fun. And then we added some rules that like, hey, if you hit the guy, it's worth two points. If you like miss the table completely, but you hit your opponent with the ball, that's a stinger. That's worth two points. And then we added, hey, if you shatter the ball entirely, that's like catching the snitch and you get five points and the game is over. So we added all of these stupid rules. And over time, 
that became my preferred method of ping pong. I call it uh, Honduras style ping pong because I'm pretty sure that's how they play it in Honduras. And it's way more fun than ping pong. So why not use bowls as an opportunity to iterate on the game of football, to do exactly what you're just describing? Add some weird stuff. You might not like all of it. You just don't do it the next year. But hey, maybe there's something fun. Otherwise, players are opting out. Transfer portals already changed it. They're already leaving before the bowl, even if they're not opting out for the NFL. So might as well do okay. something to try to make it fun. Yeah, I it's I don't know what they're going to do, but they got to do something because a lot of these bowls, I mean, it's going to be interesting to go away because they have an insane amount of money tied up in them with sponsorship stuff that I just don't get. Like if you're wondering about NIL and what is the the return on it for the you know, for the company that's going to do this one, what is the return on being a booster other than you feel good that you're a booster? And if you have that much money, you like the ego trip of being like, Oh yeah, I'm paying for that. (laughs) But you, it's like, what is the return on being, you know, why does the Fiesta bowl have a $2.5 million trophy with 285 pounds of diamonds on it? Yeah, they don't. There's no return on that, but they have it because Sony PlayStation wants to put that money on something and that's good for them. And they're not the only corporate sponsor, right? Like they're charging, you know, all the stupid one. Have you ever like the little banners that they put like on the phone things around this down the sideline? Like those are, when have you you ever decided, you know, when have you ever, you know, gone and said, Oh, that's the cheese I want. Cause I saw it on the 30 yard line. Yeah, no one. There is no return. It's dumb. And so I, all of the in some of these directors with the bowl games, they like some of these dudes are making like a hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year to do a single event, and they have like, oh, we gotta spend all year prepping our bowl week, doing, gotta call up the soup kitchen and asking if we can have these football players come down here so we can post something on Facebook and Twitter that they, you know, that these are great kids who did service in the community before their football game. Like they don't. It's the laziest job. It is like the backup NFL quarterback of sports positions. I would be so in. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong. Sign me up. But it's like they're all a crock. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I think we should do something. This all started from talking about our favorite memories of independence. Um, I don't know how this, but now we're here. (laughs) Now we're here. Um. Independence, my favorite memory. I'm gonna miss Jason Buck. I'm gonna miss um M eight V or three. Oh gosh. I'm gonna really miss uh G Swame. Speaking of G Swame, somebody he's he blocked me forever ago. Did you oh, know he blocked me forever ago and somebody tagged me in something that he said and I was like, Oh yeah, that guy blocked me months ago, so I can't see that. And then that guy responded to Greg Swain, and then Swain came with receipts. And apparently, Ooh. I had not ever tagged Swain in anything, but he had searched my name and saw me making fun of him in like 2013. Yeesh. And he blocked me. And so he unblocks me and says something about like, don't mess with the king if you're not ready to get hit or something stupid greg swain he's a nutcase and i hope you listen to this show greg swain and i appreciate you unblocking me because i know that i got at least one more chance where i'm gonna get to make fun of you and you're gonna get to see it so i I i'm happy about that he, I mean, he was been hyping that the four quarter schools were going to the Big Twelve. It's a done deal. Whatever. Done deal. So you'll, I don't. You'll read about it in the papers tomorrow, but you saw it first here. That's the other we thing still that I'm so not tired about it in no. the papers. I'm so tired of people like, "Hey, you heard it here first. Like, no, the hell, I didn't. First <laughs> off, I heard it. Oh, I, I probably heard it before you. First off, but even if I didn't, like, great. Like, you, you want a cookie? I'm starting like the millennial, the Gen Zers on TikTok have started to do this because somebody will post a video. Let's take Livy Dunn. You know Livy Dunn. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Livy Dunn. Livy Dunn has the power to stop world wars. If we just like offered Livy Dunn to Putin, I guarantee you Russia would leave Ukraine. 100%. Oh, okay. I mean, that would be like government sanctioned trafficking, but I guarantee it would happen. Livy Dunn posts a video. And I like this about the Gen Zers because they're so snippy that somebody 
will comment like first, right? Just like I'm the first comment. The Gen Zers now will just respond to those comments with the cookie emoji of like, here's your cookie. Right. I'm going to start doing that. Anytime somebody, well, you heard it here first. Like, here's your cookie. Because I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. I haven't gone no. on a good rant in a while. That's what we've missed over the season, Garrett. We've had these structured shows where we're talking about things. We've missed me talking about like, hey, maybe we should offer Livy Dunn instead of $45 billion to Ukraine to fight their own war. Why don't we just be like, look, Putin, Livy's gorgeous. We've got her family all hooked up. They're taken care of. They've agreed with this. Livy's on board too. In the name of humanity, she's yours now. Please leave Ukraine. <laughs> this is more concerning how we ended up here versus the uh what our bowl game's going to mean in the future. Oh, this is the off season. It's not even January yet. It is the off we I mean we are officially now for just about two weeks we've been in the off season. Doesn't that feel weird that like it's been two weeks that bowl game was two weeks ago, yet tomorrow. It does, and it doesn't feel like it because I, people don't under like people don't appreciate where I where my work comes in. This time of year with the transfer portal and signing day and all that stuff, man, it has been madness. So busy. We haven't talked about signing day. What were your thoughts? Like, how did signing day go for you? Mm. Signing day was pretty human key because you, I mean, I don't really, I don't do anything on 24-7 anymore. So your signing day sucks. Like, it is the... Your signing day, it is not something to look forward to for you because 24-7 requires you to have all of those profiles and they want you to do a new one. So you can't even just like whatever for the kids you already committed when you wrote, they already, you already wrote the article about when they committed. They make you go in and like change it up a little bit and you can't just like. I write all new articles. I start with a blank page every time. Which sucks and it's so much work for you. But so you have that that blows I try to make them entertaining i try to do different things but yeah it's tough and they so that sucks and you have to do all these things everyone is pestering you people are like oh, i need an update i need an update like chill if you you share stuff when you hear it it's not like we're not going anywhere we're not Here's, sitting on anything thinking like oh yeah i know this but i'm gonna wait till tuesday night at 4 60 <laughs> 4 16 p.m before i post this because i don't want anybody else to know it's like no and it's like a lot of kids now more and more they want to do their thing on signing day so it's like you let them tell their story because well, i would say that they're only going to do this once in their life but they're probably going to do it a second time in their life when they go into the portal yeah, at of, least you know, let's say this you know once or twice they're gonna <laughs> you know say say this and you know say their piece of what they want to do and who they're gonna go play for and all that and it's but it's people are just like incessant of they really are i i think what people don't understand is that i uh, i am a byu fan now i I, i'm very professional I, I try to be, at least, on, on 24-7. I'm very professional, very respectful of the kids. I don't recruit on behalf of BYU whatsoever. Like, I, that's not what I, like, I don't want to do that. Uh, occasionally, I get to know some kids really well, and we become friends, you know, like a Logan or whatever. Like, we be, like there was a relationship there. But for the most part, um, I, I, I just, I, I try to be very professional and just get the information and move along. But when it comes to sharing some of that information and, and, and the way that I have to deliver that, I'm a BYU fan, right? I want what's best for BYU. And what people don't realize is that like 24 seven, like if you don't think that there are university of Arizona staffers who are looking at, okay, Malachi Riley is visiting BYU and he's visiting Arizona and he visited UCLA if you don't think that those staffers are perusing the UCLA and the Arizona and the BYU 24-7 boards looking for the tidbit of information so that they can adjust their strategy, you're wrong. And I know this because I've seen them. I see who's on the boards. I know what what profiles are set up. And so when it comes to the delivery of these things, if I was truly a journalist, I wouldn't care, right? Because like I want to get the information out in the name of information. 
but I'm a BYU fan. I'm, I, I do this on the side for fun. And so, yeah, sometimes I, I don't put every detail out there because the details could be used against BYU or whatever. And maybe that's arrogant. You might hear that, think that's arrogant of me, but it's happened enough. I had a conversation with somebody just the other day about um, a kid out of East High School several years ago. And 24-7, the guy at the team side of the school that he committed to, 24-7 scooped him. He changed his plans because he wanted to be surprised. Like he wanted to surprise his parents. And when 24-7's team site at this particular school scooped him, he told that school, I'm no longer going. Like, it's weird. Shouldn't matter. But like, that was important to that kid. You know what I mean? And so there's... there's you don't need to take it out of their hands. And, you know, kids also see stuff when you, I mean, it's not probably a huge factor because I think most people know that people are dumber on the internet. But what it's like when you go talk crap about a kid or, you know, if you reply to their tweet where they say that they posted something and, you know, that they got an offer and you're like, like when the kid's like, oh, I received my second offer from BYU and you reply did they to offer you, you twice. Yeah. yeah. It's like nobody, you know, crap like that. It's like, why? You wouldn't say it to their face, so don't say it online, right? And if you would say it to their face, then you're just a jerk. But it's like, who there's that the, stuff? There's that, the human you, side, but even if you're if you're a fan of a school, that's the kind of garbage that like really does reflect on your school, and it matters more than you think it does. So, right. like, in the name of just like being a fan that wants your team to win, I don't understand it. Right. So anyway, yeah, signing day is a little bit weird. But what did you think of the class? Like, how do you think BYU did? Uh, it's interesting to me because a lot of people, it seems like they suddenly paid more attention and it was, it seemed like people cared more about who we didn't get than who we got. And we're like, like this class has the highest average player rating since 2010. And people still are like, this class is awful. This was a mess. It's like, why didn't you say that in 2019, 2020? last year right you know when we were taking tons of projects like compared to last year's class this class is amazing and but because we didn't because because we didn't get spencer fano hunter clegg and and smith soden and walker lyons people are like oh this is you know this class is awful and it's trash and you know it's you know we hate this and you know it's such a bad effort which it's okay i get it the defensive staff mailed it in on recruiting. They didn't put any effort. That blows. But they're gone now. The new staff has only had two or three weeks to work. Give them some time and relax. Right? You can't. And it's like it's not ideal, but it is what it is. So it's the it's kind of like the the time to complain about it is too late. Yeah, I think so. Your complaints don't mean anything right now. The, the the thing that's going to be hard, and and the, the I I love that you brought this up because the thing, the thing that is going to be the most, like the biggest adjustment for fans going forward, is the emergence of the transfer portal, and the transfer portal has completely changed the way, I think a roster is to be managed. Right, if I'm the general manager of the Braves, uh, yeah, when I give. Ronald Acuna a 10-year extension, I am planning on him being in Atlanta for 10 years. But if year two comes along and I decided that I wanted to trade Ronald Acuna and get somebody else for any myriad of reasons, I could move from that contract. I have to find the right price and the right partner and blah, blah, blah. But there's a million ways for me to get out of that contract and change my roster in year two or year three or year six. College football is becoming that, right? Right. The, the, you want to get a guy and develop him for four to five years, but the likelihood that somebody stays long enough to be developed to the point that they're a junior and a senior making a meaningful difference after a redshirt year and two years on the bench or playing just special teams, those days are gone, folks. Like those days aren't happening. Like you could complain about it, and and you know I I have my own complaints and. Whether you like it, whether you don't, doesn't really matter. Those days are gone. And so a mindset shift, I think, that's interesting, that's going to be hard to do, and I, I don't know where the balance is, is looking at next year, right? Right. 
I would have rather had, I don't know, like Isaiah Bagna, right? Let's look at Isaiah Bagna. He comes from Boise State. He's a 235, 40-pound edge rusher. He will make a bigger impact in 2023 than Hunter Clegg. Now, I want Hunter Clegg. Hunter Clegg's a four-star. I wish Hunter Clegg had signed with BYU, but he's going on a mission, and then he'll be a freshman for a year and have to get back into shape. I mean, he is realistically three years away from making an impact at Utah, right? right. Isaiah Bagna makes a difference next year, and BYU still has two additional years to find a replacement for Hunter Clegg. So if I'm looking, if I'm the general manager of, of BYU and I am managing for the 2023 season, I'm bummed that I didn't get Hunter Clegg, but Bagna makes a bigger difference for me right away. And he's more important for me. It's, and, and this is, it's similar. Like we had in a similar reference, like we talked about this on, um, someone brought up on the discord, right? Like Smithson Oden went to Utah. Okay. If, he doesn't play. People said, okay, well, if he maybe he won't get playing time and he'll want to transfer. Okay, yes, as a recruit, you want the four-star kid. You want the best prospect you can. But once they've suited up and started playing, they're no longer a prospect. Right. They are a proven player, right? Like it is, you do not value, you know, you do not value Jimmer Fredette the same way in the NBA today that you did leading into the 2011 or whatever NBA draft, 2012 NBA draft. And you know, it, it's going to be really interesting. It, it really but is if, because Aiden Robbins, I think, is a great example of what you're saying. Aiden Robbins, BYU lost the recruiting battle, right, to Louisville. And he didn't do a thing for Louisville for three years. He redshirt, there was COVID, and he didn't do a thing. Now BYU gets Aiden Robbins, and he's a 1,000-yard rusher who's going to contribute immediately. <sighs> did, did Louisville really win? You know what I mean? And that's yeah. what like the transfer portal does now, is it, it changes in the old days when guys weren't transferring all the time. Yeah, Louisville would, would have won because they won that battle four years ago, and now he's a 1,000-yard rusher as a junior-senior at Louisville. But the transfer portal takes that away. So Aiden Robbins, he, he goes to Louisville out of high school. They develop him for two or three years. He goes somewhere else and then comes back to BYU. And now that he's a developed and ready-to-roll prospect, BYU is going to be the school who reaps all those benefits. Right. Louisville didn't well, win. And, and, it, and, and back to the Smith Snowden, what you brought up is like, if he can't crack the field, right? do you go, are you bending over backwards? Like a year ago, BYU wasn't bending over backwards for Aided Robbins because we had said, okay, well, we have Chris Brooks. And Chris yeah. Brooks, he's proven he played in Pac-12. And now Aiden Robbins, he went, and in his case, it ended up being a fit issue where he got into a new system with better fit, and then it made sense for him, and then he showed what he could do. And so now teams coming out of you know, UNLV, it's like, okay, lots of teams want him. That makes sense. That's fine. That's good. So it's, But I feel like we just want you can bring guys in that are an immediate need and some positions like obviously quarterback, we got a rental in Keaton Slovis. That's fine. Like it's not, it's similar. You don't want to be doing that every year though. Right. I, like you I, want, I, think, I don't think you want to, but I think you're going to, you don't want to, it's not ideal, but it's something that given, you know, if you look at who you have and they're not great, then you go get, a rental and that's if that's all you can do that's all you can do and it's not necessarily anything on the staff it's like quarterback is the hardest position to predict like right. if you looked at jaron hall's numbers in high school or not even jaron hall's look at arch manning's numbers arch manning only completed like 53 percent of his passes playing at a two-way school in louisiana right right and and against like a bunch of parochial schools since or parochial whatever that word is you know the one yeah and the but it's everyone saying he's the number one quarterback in the country because it's like they're projecting what can he do and call it like, what will he do at the next level and what his body will allow him to do at the next level. And that is different. And it's a very inexact, especially with quarterbacks, it's a very inexact science. And so I am, I'm ready to make he, a claim okay, of exactly what you're saying. I think, I don't think that until the next wave of whatever changes happens with college football, like employees or whatever it is. I don't think BYU ever has more than a two-year starter at quarterback ever again. I think so. That's probably accurate. I, because most quarterbacks can't start as freshmen. I mean, you go back in, in time. Zach Wilson did. Tanner Mangum did. Ty Detmer did. I mean, there, there haven't been very many of them. And the ones who were good at it 
Like they became the legends. There's even fewer of those, right? Right. Because most kids, it's they come in if they don't do good, then they lose the edge and they never get it back. Right. And most, I mean, Tanner Mangum, right? Like Tanner, right. all these things happen. Take John Beck. Let's go back to John Beck. Now, John Beck is a legend at BYU. His senior year is one of the best years that any BYU quarterback has ever had. But John Beck had to had to take his lumps, right? If you could go back in time, you're Gary Croton. You've got this true freshman or return missionary for whatever he was. You got this freshman John Beck playing. And he goes out and he throws like 50% passes his freshman year. And he has one game where he's hurt, so you have to bring in Matt Berry or whoever they brought in, and they weren't good either. Pretend the transfer portal existed back then, and Gary Croton would have had a chance to get a Keaton Slovis and add him to the roster for John Beck's sophomore year. He's doing that 100% of the time. Why? Because Keaton Slovis, as a senior, is going to give Gary Croton a better chance at keeping his job than John Beck, who is just going through, has got all the potential in the world, but still has to earn, like take his lumps and learn how this works. So Gary Croton goes out, signs a Keaton Slovis to come in and elevate the quarterback play next year. Well, John Beck doesn't want to go from being a starter to not a starter. So now John Beck gets Jacob Conover on, and he decides, no, I was supposed to be the guy. I'm out of here. I'm going back to Arizona. Now John Beck's senior year never happens, and BYU has to adjust and go and get another Keaton Slovis that next year, right? This right. is this the this is what college football has become. For better or worse, you can hate it, you can like it, it doesn't matter. This is what college football is now. And I just think that the days of a quarterback being willing to a quarterback being willing to sit isn't going to happen. And a quarterback being a, a, a school being willing to be patient enough with a quarterback to allow that quarterback to take lumps. College football fans are not patient. I mean, BYU won 21 games in the last two years, and they go on a four-game losing streak this year, and not only did everybody want Tuiaki fired, there was a growing number of people who wanted Kalani fired too. Yeah. Like, the days are gone. Gary Croton, he had a guy, John Beck, who had to take his lumps and learn how to be a college quarterback. We wanted Gary Croton fired long before any scandal happened. People wanted him out. And so... I don't think you're ever going to see anybody start for more than two years at quarterback at BYU ever again until the next thing happens that changes the way college football is done. I think that makes sense. And I don't, I don't doubt that. I think it, and it's really weird anyway, because it's really, you don't want a freshman. If you usually, it's like, if you have a freshman starting at quarterback, it usually means you got some other issues, right? Like you are, you know, yeah, you, you've got some problems going on, and that's not really what you want to have. Yeah, and there's only a handful of guys who can do it now. Yeah, like if BYU goes out and lands Isaac Wilson, who is going to probably go down as maybe the highest rated quarterback in in the state of Utah history. I've seen Isaac Wilson play enough that you don't want him starting as a true freshman. You, you got it from Zach, but that's because your option was Zach or Tanner Mangum, and you didn't want Tanner Mangum starting as a senior, so you might as well roll with Zach and have him take his lumps. Right. But you didn't want Zach to be starting. You wanted Tanner Mangum to be the guy who you hoped he was. Right. So I agree with you. It's very interesting. Things are, things are changing. Garrett, it's been a good show. I have one last thing I need to say. Okay, so hit me with your one last thing. Strange World is the dumbest movie that Disney has ever produced. And I went and saw it in theaters with my kids on Thanksgiving, and it was dumb then. But my kids, now that it's out on Disney+, Plus, have decided that they like the little gooey guy that walks around on the show. They think he's cute. So they're watching it a lot more. Boy, that Disney CEO that got fired, I wish they'd rehire that person so that they could fire them again. Because that person is so bad, they need to be fired twice. Yikes. Strange World. Terrible. Just a terrible... I mean, forget the... There's like a weird element of like... They're trying to indoctrinate your children. And I could go on like a Ben Shapiro-like rant about that. But forget all of that. Forget the politics and all of the... You know, the the climate change narratives and all that stuff. I don't don't care about any of that stuff. The movie itself was hot garbage. 
So the like the dialogue was bad. The story was dumb. Nobody really believed any of it. I would sooner believe that Toy Story was real. I would sooner not, believe not that Lightning McQueen could actually pull up in my driveway and start talking to me than I would that anything in Strange World is a thing. Yo, that's yeah. I mean, I've seen it on Disney Plus, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I've only heard bad things about it, so I've been ignoring it, and I'm well, just like, I'm I, not. Gonna I do think this. you need to watch it. I think we need to do a little miniature version of how did this get made next week, and and have a discussion about Strange World. Oh gosh, but then you're gonna. That's rude that you're gonna make me watch it. Well, I know, but I need you to. So I need you to do it. Okay, I, I will do it for you. That's it. That's all I got. It's a it's okay. a kid show. Do you want some lemon? It, it, I I I don't know. Apparently, I'm getting lemon something. <laughs> um, yeah, it has been a good show. This is our last show of 2022. Uh, we're heading into the long grind of the off season. Uh, we've got again. If you are should go to, we will put I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but we are doing our collaboration with the Victory Recovery, supporting Max Hall's organization. Uh, give go online, buy raffle tickets, buy tickets to the event. And come join us. It'll be a very fun night. It's Martin Luther King Day weekend, so it's a three-day weekend. Most likely, it's a banking holiday on Monday, so you don't really you get out of the snow. Snow sucks. It's cold. It's going to be like sunny and 75 here and perfect. Yeah. And until next week, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell.